Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Well, it's great to be, um, it's great to be sharing this morning uh, with you guys. If, if you weren't here uh, for Vision Sunday uh, last week, I really encourage you to listen to what Nathan shared on YouTube uh, really excited for this year, uh, our theme of multiply, what it means, uh, and what God's going to do uh, this year as well. So uh, throughout the year, we're going to be doing a whole bunch of different series to really bring this theme of multiply to life. And so I'm excited to kick off our first series today, which is called What's in Your Hands, which is looking at how God takes what's in our hands, and he multiplies it. So today I want to talk about uh, what's in our hands uh, and what God has given us as it relates to the next generation. See, uh, I've been thinking a lot recently about the next generation, about the legacy that we can leave for them. Uh, for a number of reasons. Firstly, this week uh, I celebrated six months of being a dad. Um, Eliana turned six months on Wednesday, which is really exciting. Um, but before that, uh, I'd been involved in youth ministry for the last 10 years. Before that, five years of kids ministry as well. Um, I actually did the calculations of all the camps and all the hours, and it probably clocks out to about 50,000 hours, which if I was a pilot, I'd be like the best pilot ever, right? <laughs> um, but that, that's to say, although my experience as a parent is only very new, I've spent a lot of time investing in the next generation. And I don't know about you, but when I think about raising the next generation, equipping the next generation, even as I think about parenting, right? Parenting is difficult and challenging. Who agrees with that? Um, now, I feel like as well, parenting is more difficult today than ever before. Who agrees with that one? See, parenting's always been difficult, but now there's so many issues that are exacerbated, right? For example, uh, mental health issues are a lot more prevalent today than they were. Um, kids feeling overwhelmed with anxiety... Now, when I was in primary school, if, if you were bullied, you had some peace in the fact that you were only bullied between the hours of 8am and 3pm, and then outside of that, you kind of had you know, some hours of break. But now, because of the internet, it's 24-7, and these kids and these young people are being bombarded 24-7. They're also given access to a lot of information without filtering sometimes, um, at a much younger rate. Um, and also, they've got access to a lot more ungodly influences. Um, and with the access of information, uh, more overwhelming than ever to try and figure out how it is that you're supposed to live. So today I want to talk about how we can be faithful with what God has given us with the next generation so that we would see not only their faith 
and their legacy of faith multiplied, but also that we would see God's church and God's kingdom continue to multiply as well. See, whether you're a parent or not, we all have a part to play in the next generation. Some are youth leaders, some are kids leaders, some are parents. Um, as Nathan shared last week, we're going to have this uh, kind of mentoring program for those that are you know, between 18 and 30 to equip them for what it means to be an adult, to follow Jesus, to set them up for a win. We all have a part to play in the next generation. And I want to encourage us and challenge us around that today. So today, I want to focus on these four things, right? I want to focus on how we can set the next generation up for success and how we can do that by helping them to step out in faith, showing them that there's a community that's worth having, of helping them to raise the bar and building a culture of faith. That's what we're going to look at today. So I want to start by talking to you and teaching you about something called the Shema. Has anyone heard of that before, the Shema? So it's, it's found in Deuteronomy 6. It's a central and foundational passage in Judaism. And it's often recited by Jewish people as part of their daily prayers. The word Shema comes from the Hebrew word for hear or listen, emphasizing the call to listen and obey to the message that's contained within. Now, there's a thing uh, as well that they have, particularly the more orthodox Jews, called the tefillin, which is a little box that they wear on their head as they pray. And within that are the central uh, passages of Scripture that they want to memorize and recite as they pray as a way of showing their devotion and their faith to God. So I want to read from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, This is part of the Shema. This is what it says. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And it continues, it says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. That's where that tefillin comes from. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So why am I talking to you today about a little box? Well, I think what this passage really gets right and why I think it's actually inspiring the way that the Jewish people look at faith is that they look at it from a lens of the next generation. They don't just see it as something for themselves, but something that they really want to impress and invest on the next generation so that they would be raised knowing their faith. And I think that's what God's heart for us is. And also us as a church. He wants to see the next generation set up to follow him all the days of their lives. And that's something that we have a part to play in. Now, there's a few challenges that I think the next generation face and a few problems. uh, 
And we can either help them with that or we can add to that. And so that's what I want to encourage us around today. The first one is around stepping out in faith. Now, that seems like a good thing, right? Stepping out in faith, showing that. But there's a problem with that, is that the problem is when we risk too little or when we rescue ourselves. And why that can be a problem is because uh, it actually helps model what the next generation does in response. The way that we respond in faith models to them how they should respond in faith as well. So that problem is we risk too little or we rescue ourselves. Now, I, I have spent a lot of time with kids... Um, as I said, at different camps, uh, working um, with kids for the last 10 years. And more and more today, I see that there's a lot of risk adversity. Um, and it's, I think, one of the top values that actually comes out today, a risk-adverse culture. Now, I want to say it's wise to protect our kids. But sometimes, in an effort to protect them, it can also rob them from the confidence and ability to experience faith in action as well. See, this is what it says in Proverbs 22. It says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. This is an encouragement for us, right? We have a part to play in setting them off on the journey of faith and the way in which we teach them to step out in faith, and we model that as well. See, we can only model, and they can only learn from what they observe. So are we playing it safe, or are we stepping out in faith and modelling faith in action? Now, Christy and I often talk about um, this, and we, we often talk about our different experiences of growing up. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian household, so I came to faith when I was a young person, uh, whereas she did. And she often talks about her experience of growing up um, with her family, being on mission, and there was always a constant um, need for them to step out in faith, to trust God with the outcome. And sometimes that you know, left them in situations where they're like, oh man, we really need God to come through. But through that, it taught her that she can step out in faith, that God will meet her where he needs to meet her. See, it's important to not just talk about faith, but to model it, to use these as open conversations about God and faith with the next generation. Because when we do this, we expose them to the joy of knowing God personally to experiencing his faithfulness in action. See, children don't just become what you say, they become what they see. Wouldn't it be great if kids became what you said? All the parents said, yep, yeah, I, I sign up for that, right? But they don't just become what you say, they become what they see, what's modelled, what's demonstrated. And so are we living out a faith in action where we're inspiring them, where we're giving them the confidence to step out and trust that God is going to meet them in that. So I wonder for you, how do you respond to life's challenges? Do you try to solve it yourself? Do you try to solve it on your own? 
Now, sometimes, depending on that, you know, if it's a, it's a, if it's a small thing, like it, it's not that we physically can't solve any problem, and we, but it's about our mindset to it, right? Is our mindset as a response of going, God, I'm facing this difficulty, I'm facing this challenge, I know that you've equipped me with everything I need to get through it, and I know that you are helping me and guiding me through it. So it's about mindset. It's not about how we physically do things or not. It's about our mindset towards it. Do we have a mindset of knowing that God is the God who helps us make a way through the challenge, or do we respond and do it ourselves and not even consider God? So I want to talk about how the people in the Old Testament saw God as the one who makes a way forward, but also how people in the New Testament saw that as well. See, this is what it says in Isaiah 43. It says, see, I'm doing a new thing. This is God talking to the people of Israel. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness. See, the people of Israel knew that God was a God who made a way forward where there didn't seem to be a way forward. That's how they knew him. That's how they understood him. They knew that he could solve their problems. And then if we go to Jesus' day, right, the people in Jesus' time knew that by meeting with him, he could solve their problems too. This is one example of a blind beggar, right? He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He knew that by meeting Jesus, by encountering Jesus, all of his problems would be solved. That Jesus could make a way forward where there was no way forward. So do we try to act as our own saviour or as the next generation's saviour? Or do we model a way of responding to challenges that showing them, demonstrating to them faith in action, of stepping out in faith, but also believing and trusting that God can make a way forward for us and for them? See, we need to show them the presence and the power of God at work. And the way we do that is by stepping out in faith of trusting God with the outcome when we don't know what the outcome is. We need to model that to them. The second thing I want to encourage us around is around showing them that there's a community worth having or a community worth being a part of. Now, one of the problems that I think the next generation faces is when we let them choose their environment. Now, I don't know about you, I've been thinking about a lot of my relationships growing up, and whatever I did growing up, and I'm sure you're the same, you didn't do it alone. Anything stupid that you did, you probably did it with stupid friends. Anything good you did, you did it with a good friend, a supportive friend, right? See, this is what the writer of Proverbs says, he says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. And anyone who's ever been a teenager knows that's true, right? And so the challenge we have is around the law of exposure. 
See, we can't pick their friends. Any parent in the room wishes that they could pick their kids' friends, right? We can't, we can't pick that. We can't control everything. But what we can do is we can influence the environment that we put them in. And that's why as a church, both for our kids' ministry, for our youth ministry, we try to create environments where young people can come, where they can be honest about where they're at, where they can know that there's a, a community that supports them, where we can encourage them and champion them and support them and cheer them on. But as we said, there's also you know, opportunities for them to be mentored. There's life groups for them to be a part of where they can be exposed and influenced by uh, a whole generation of people of all ages, all life backgrounds, all experiences, but also our youth and kids ministry programs. See, these are environments where we all play our part, where we encourage and help each other, where we carry each other's challenges. We were talking about that on Friday night, about what it means to be a, a supportive friend, where we can be patient with each other and where we can be together regularly as well. See, you can't pick their friends, but you can influence the environment you put them in and that is really going to help set them up for a legacy of faith. The third one is around setting higher standards of living. See, the problem is when we expect too little. When we expect too little. And this is what Jesus says. He says this in Matthew 22. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus here, he didn't just say, love with part of your heart. Love with part of your soul, part of your mind. Love when it's convenient. Love when you feel like it. He didn't say that. See, what you expect is what you will get. If you expect little from the next generation, you will get little in return. If you believe they're capable of more, they will likely believe it too. See, I used to have um, a, a boss, and he, he's a boss, a mentor, he's a very close friend, um, and he is one of the greatest leaders that I've ever had the privilege of working under. And I remember one thing he used to say, he used to challenge me to grow and continue you know, raising the bar, and he used to say this line all the time, and it really stuck in my head. He said, I have high expectations, but I'm confident that you can reach them. And what he meant by that was, I'm not going to set the bar down here. Like, my bar's up here. I know I've got high expectations. But at the same time, what he was communicating is, I believe in you. I know you have what it takes. I'm confident that you can reach those expectations. And that's what we need to do for the next generation. We need to think about ways we can raise the standard of encouraging them to get into the word daily. Instead of thinking of, hey, we're just going to go to church today. Just come to church. That's a pretty low bar, right? Just come 
Just come and fill a seat. But rather, instead of that, hey, you're passionate about things. I know that you have heaps of potential. Why don't you serve? Why don't you get involved in our worship team? Why don't you join our production team? Why don't you serve our kids downstairs? When we raise the bar and believe and have confidence that they can meet it, what we expect is what we will get. And that's what I want to encourage us around. When you set higher standards of living, they will reach them. What you expect is what you will get with the next generation. The last one is around building a culture of faith at home. And this, this isn't just for the parents in the room. We, as I said, we all have a part to play in supporting families to do this. But the problem we have is when we let them live off our faith rather than building their own faith. And I've seen many young people who've wrestled with this, even, even the ones you wouldn't expect, even the pastor's kids, even the leader's those with the strongest faith, every single young person at some point comes to this crossroads where they have to decide, is this just my family's faith or is this my faith as well? This is what Deuteronomy 6 says, going back to what we talked about, right? Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And to me, what this is saying is make this the most common, normal topic. Make conversations about God, about faith, about stepping out in faith, about what God is doing in our life. Make that a part of the everyday conversation. See, we want their faith in God to be first-hand faith, not second-hand faith. See, what I, what I hear a lot from young people is that they hate fake. And they, they're pretty good at smelling fake as well. They're obsessed with authenticity, from the sneakers that they wear to the phones that they have, but also in the leaders they follow, in the environments that they want to be a part of. They don't want it to be fake. They don't want it to be pretend or going through the motions. They want authenticity. They want Jesus changed my life, not just Jesus is a part of my life. Because of who he is, because of what he's done, we want to give the next generation a culture and a community worth being a part of, where they're excited by it, where they go, that's the kind of faith I want to have. That's the kind of faith I want to live out. And when I look at leaders who've invested in me, right, still to this day, there's leaders that I go, I want to be like that. I want to model the kind of faith that they have. I want to live out faith in action like they did. I want to invest and care and love people like they did. See, it's not about perfection but it's about surrendering fully to Jesus. And so I encourage us around how we can make faith in God firsthand 
is through authentic living. See, we're going to look at, over the next few weeks, a lot of different ways that God can take what's in our hands and multiply it. But we need to be faithful with what he's given us. So for our youth ministry, right, and for kids' ministry as well, it doesn't just grow by accident. And also, those young people, they don't grow by accident. It takes a lot of leaders intentionally investing, building relationships, modeling faith in action to do that and creating that authentic community. And that's how we've been able to see not only lives transformed, but also our church and our ministries grow. I don't know if any of you have had the chance to come to our Sunday night services, but it's really beautiful to see all the young people just so passionate about worship, about being encouraged and challenged by the Word of God. And that doesn't happen by accident. It's about investing in the next generation and every single one of us has a part to play in that. So, today, we looked at these things. We looked at how we can step out in faith, how we can model faith in action. And that's one of the things we need to do. And we need to not rescue ourselves but go God I know that you've given me everything that I need to get through this challenge and I know that you're a God who makes a way forward where there is no way forward and as we do that it'll give them the confidence to do that as well the second thing is around creating a community that's worth being a part of that they are excited to be a part of the third one is about raising the bar of not settling for less, of saying, hey, I know I have high standards, but I'm confident that you can reach them. And it's not just my standards, it's Jesus' standards as well. Of encouraging them, challenging them to take that step up. And lastly, about building that culture of faith, of making that a normal part of their day, an everyday conversation. Because Jesus is just as interested in their Monday to Saturday as he is their Sunday. So, I wonder for you, right, which one of these stands out to you the most? Maybe, maybe if you think you've been challenged as you've listened to go, actually, you know what? Am I modelling faith in action? Am I demonstrating a community that's worth being a part of myself? Am I raising the bar of those standards? Or am I building a culture of faith? Am I having those everyday conversations around faith? And I just want to preface, right? We're all works in progress. We're all learning and growing in these things each and every day. There's no expectation for perfection. But this is an opportunity to go, God, where next? What next? How do you want me to respond next? And if each of us does that, right, we continue to build this environment of faith for the next generation that's authentic, living for Jesus each and every day. And that's the community I want to be a part of. I hope it's the community you want to be a part of as well. 
And it's the community that's going to really help the next generation have a legacy of faith. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to think about what LifeGate Church might look like in 20 years, in 30 years. So take a moment to reflect on that, to sit and ask Jesus where it is that he's inviting you to respond differently. As you do that, I'm going to invite the band up. church I want you to imagine the reward for the next generation and our church if we're faithful in what God has given us in the next generation as we're going to talk about right God takes what's in our hands and he multiplies it and he's already given us incredible young people as a part of our community and the question is what are we going to do with them Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to invest in them? Are we going to set them up for a legacy of faith? It starts with each and every one of us and the choices we make today. What's in your hands? Acknowledge imperfection. Surrender everything to Christ. Imagine not only the transformation of families, of our community, but also in communities outside, right? We don't know where these young people are going to go. They could be a part of different families, different churches, different countries. But the legacy of faith starts with the decisions we make today. So I'm going to pray for each of us. So Father, I want to thank you for every single young person that's a part of LifeGate Church, both now and into the future. Thank you for the parents, the grandparents, the uncles, the aunties. Thank you for the way that they invest in the next generation. Thank you for our kids' leaders, for our youth leaders, God. Thank you for the way that they model faith in action, they model authentic living. And God, would you help each and every one of us to play our part, that through that, God, we would see your presence in their life like we haven't before. That they would know that you're a God who makes a way where there is no way. Thank you, God, for everything that you're doing. Thank you that your name is greater than any challenge or obstacle they face. That we can look to the future with hope and confidence knowing 
that you are going to achieve everything that you want to achieve in this next generation. And so God, would you continue to challenge us to play our part, to get alongside them, to encourage them, to challenge them and to nurture them. That they would have a first-hand faith, that they would experience your presence and your power in their life and that would multiply. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.